escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Oasis Park Residences, located at Shiaoshi, Tetequashi, 10 minutes from the International Airport, is the ideal place for all your accommodation needs. Why don't you give us a call on 020-4343009 or visit our website at oasisparkresidences.com to make your reservations. Oasis Park Residences, more than a home. I've got belt back and I won't let go. My name is Nanama McBrown. Many people think I get what I want anytime because I am popular. <laughs> no, that is not true. It is because me and Kasano, I like the best. And when I find it, I stick to it. I have found Bell Pack T-Roll and I'm stuck with it. It is soft but not weak, strong but not hard. It is just perfect. Bell Pack T-Roll is smooth and gentle on the skin. Same as Bell Pack Kitchen Towel. It cleans in one wipe. You can soak, squeeze, and clean again. One Bell Pack Kitchen Towel lasts longer and saves you money. It's time you switch to Bell Pack today and experience the perfect paper tissue. Saiye pocket tissue, table napkins, T-roll, and a kitchen towel. Bell Pack is simply the best. Bell Pack, just perfect. To be a Bell Pack distributor, call 055-11444-00. Another quality product from Bell Aqua. In the next 60 minutes here on News Night, International Monetary Fund expects government to contain Ghana's wage bill by limiting hiring and wage increases, plus adjust utility tariffs throughout the year. We have details of a litany of conditions the fund expects government to meet. Also tonight, Asante Hamilton foresights to the second vows to deal with chiefs complicit in illegal mining in Amancia area as he challenges government to crack the whip on Iran officials to end the Galamsey scourge. And I have to start with my chiefs first and then government has to deal with the other ones. So we all have to take matters seriously to be able to bring this to a closure. We have details as Environmental Protection Agency reveals alarming levels of mercury in the Tunnel River as heavy metals are found in the gills of fishes tested from the river. Also tonight, opposition NDC says it is in pole position to reclaim the Asin North seat as it prepares ahead of the by-election. This follows the Supreme Court directive to Parliament to remove Jachikwesen's name from its role of what is happening in Parliament. Government should move so that we can go and, and have that election. We, as a party, we are more than prepared for the by-election. We will hear from the MPP, which is asking the Electoral Commission to do due diligence before allowing anyone to run in any elections. So I think going forward, the EC should not take any parliamentary candidate's word for granted. If you say you have renounced your citizenship, let us see the certificate. 
And also still with the NDC, uh, the leadership there have justified this decision uh, by its National Executive Committee using three unstamped ballots to declare Edem Agbana legitimate winner of the Cato North Parliamentary Primary. We have details for you in business. Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, confirms first tranche of IMF's cash should hit its account that is tomorrow, but warns that we should focus more on the structural benefits on the IMF program. And in sports, the Ghana Football Association hands a Santa Cotta cause Nicolas Mensah a one-year ban from all football-related activities for misconduct. You want to stay with us for uh, details of this and more. Plus, what is happening in Nigeria tonight as Ghanaian lawmakers raise concerns about the fallouts of the Nigerian elections. A select delegation of MPs from West Africa hold a crunch meeting in Abuja starting tomorrow. We'll also look at the fallout from the Nigeria election. So tomorrow, that's what we'll be looking at. And then next week, we'll debate our own report that the, com- the commission has shared with us. And later in the bulletin, Sanitation Minister directs all MMDCEs to capture and sell stray animals to support government projects. When you let your cows stray, they should seize the cows, arrest the cows, sell the cows, and use the money to help uh, with projects in the assemblies. We are live tonight on Love 99.5 FM in Kumasi, Castle FM, Cape Coast, Dreams FM in Bogatanga. Over 30 affiliates across the country on Facebook, Twitter, and my joy online. Let's start tonight with the biggest story in the last 24 hours. Uh, the executive board approval, the IMF executive board approval of Ghana's uh, bailout. Now the fund is expecting uh, government to contain Ghana's wage bill by limiting hiring and wage increases, plus adjust utility tariffs through throughout the year. And yesterday we saw an 18% plus increase in electricity tariffs alone. Now this is to compensate for any action rate and price movements to bring tariffs close to cost recovery levels. These are part of a litany of measures the fund expects government to implement as part of efforts to meet the terms of the $3 billion uh, program. Uh, George Jaffe is still with me uh, as we begin to digest mm. uh, that entire document. George, let's talk about the issue of tariff adjustments. Now, Evans, you remember that the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission recently raised the utility tariffs by uh, close to 30% as more of a, a prior action, bringing the cumulative increase since mid-2022 to about 57%. Now, this was to help in what they call the cost recovery gap and limit this year's shortfall to about 2.7% of GDP, offsetting the underlying output pressures for more of the depreciation exchange rate concerns. Now, additional events, the quarterly adjustment to be implemented in 2023. Now, this is to compensate for any exchange rate and price movement and bring the tariffs close to what they call the cost recovery levels, whilst efforts are being made to improve the operational efficiency of energy distribution as planned in this uh, energy program and also recognition of a contract with the independent power producers are expected to further reduce the cost. Now, beyond 2023, the program's 
baseline projections are looking at assuming that the sector's shortfall will be gradually reduced to 1.7% of GDP in 2026. Now, the slight improvement in the grade recovery laws and staff urges the authorities to aim at a more rapid reduction in the sector's shortfall when it comes to this uh, ESRP uh, program events to create that fiscal space and more of a prioritized spending event. So this could actually notably achieve through this what they call additional ad hoc tires whilst protecting the vulnerables in terms mm. of the households. Bottom line, George, mm. expect tariffs to go yeah, up yeah, consistently yeah. throughout the year yeah, when yeah, the review yeah, is yeah, done. Let's yeah. look at one of the key issues that the labor unions have been warning about when it comes to the IMF programs, either the, this current one or the past ones. Now, wages and the wage bill. What's, what's this it's, program It's been a big it? concern, Evans. And you know that's been one of our biggest challenges when it comes to our debt and our expenditure. If you go through the document, it says that the primary expenditure will be reduced by two percentage points of GDP, now mainly by lowering the capital expenditure through project reprioritization by providing around 0.9% of GDP of savings. Now, contain the wage bill by limiting wage increases and hiring. Okay, so yeah. that's an important yeah. one. Limiting wage increases and hiring. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, government's ability to employ will also be limited. Fix but your your house before you bring in yeah. more people. And, and that's where we need clarity. Um, are they provide, is that an exception, say, for essential services like medical care and, and health institutions and, and the, in the education sector? I mean, we need some further clarity yeah. on yeah. that. Because I know yeah. in the past program, 22, in 2015, yeah. there was some exception yeah. for some sectors. That when these persons are, are, are going on retirement, you have, to replace. you have the requirement to place them as well. And that's very, very critical. There's another portion that talks about about rationalizing goods and services spending in our budget and also reducing transfers of statutory funds through a reduction of a cap on the share of revenue that they can receive. That should be about 0.4% of GDP. Now, even as you're looking at statutory funds, should be reformed and rationalized. The authorities, that is government, are in the process of hiring an external consultant to undertake what they call the comprehensive review of these statutory funds and how it should be implemented and how it should be advanced or maybe when it comes to payment, how those things to be done. Now, this program is saying that the objective is to, one, evaluate spending and assess efficiency, the value for money, relevance as an alignment of embarking what they call to formulate uh, spending needs. So, basically ensure that you, you, you contain these expenditure and also ensure that when you have to spend there is a need to spend. Yeah, and I and another the big part of this also is the revenue bit. And yeah. one of the parts of the ones that I read in there that struck me is that they are also going to look at personal income tax. It's yeah. one of the areas that they are going to they are going to be touching. Yeah. Um, they are also going to be like revenue measures enhancing this efficiency. Yeah. And of course, in the uh, fuel, is going to be looked at also where yeah. they are now proposing uh, government is must implement automatic. You know, adjustments or you know, fuel cost yeah. at the pumps yeah. to reflect exchange rate, you know, mm. volatility and, 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 and inflation. And I think now we'll be looking at more of the levy because from the current and policy levy, that we, we, the, we, we look at levies, more yes. as a, more of a total deregulation of the market, it has to do with the players themselves reviewing their prices. Except and that so, in this case, you yeah. have a two weeks window where the pricing window comes along. Mm. This is talking about automatic as and when it happens. So yeah. if yesterday the $1 is to say 10 CDs and mm. tomorrow it goes to $1 is 11 CDs, this is suggesting automatically let mm. that reflect at the yeah. pumps. And, and that's, that's what Peter, Professor 
Peter Kota was saying that maybe one of the benefits of this program would be the stability of the currency. So if the currency is stable, then we might even end up having a situation reduction. where there'll be reduction. Don't forget yeah. that another critical component in these tariffs we view is inflation and then the exchange rate effect sure. and the cost of uh, producing uh, these uh, four that you need, gas or crude. So if the exchange rate is stable, the price of crude would impact that would drop. Inflation is coming down. Mm. So if all these other variables actually are going down, then on the contrary, you're rather going to see a reduction in these measures that you spoke about. I want to bring in now Seth Chumakwabo. He's a CEO of the Association of Ghana Industries. And one of the things that they've uh, complained about was the increase in tariffs. Yesterday, there was one electricity, uh, 18% uh, plus. As we read in the document uh, tonight, uh, Mr. Chumakwabo, the document governing the program says that there must now be regular uh, increases to reflect the reality on the ground, moving it closer to full cost recovery. Your reaction from the uh, uh, association? Well, thank you very much, Ivan. Um, yes, we, we appreciate that with the IMF intervention, this kind of conditionalities would, would, would come along, and uh, we should be ready for it. Except that when it comes to certain areas, we have to tread cautiously because they all have ripple effects on development, on industry, on job creation, as well, and so forth. So when we say full cost recovery, we need to look at it critically. Uh, for a certain segment of, of, of the consumer group, I think that there's probably full cost recovery already. So when you say regular uh, automatic adjustment, that is a principle you all agree to. But there are parameters that determine the, what the levels of uh, adjustment should be. If the inflation rate, if the exchange rate uh, deteriorates, naturally it calls for some adjustment. If the fuel prices, international level fuel prices go up, we also expect that there will be some adjustment to that effect. There's also the uh, energy mix, hydro, between thermal. These are the factors that account for changes in the automatic adjustment system. But if these factors are working in a favorable manner, then the adjustment should not necessarily be an increase in tariff. It may rather uh, lead to a decrease. And when it happens, we must decrease it. If you look at the recent tariff that has been adjusted, uh, the one that was announced yesterday, I think that if you look at most of these parameters, there has been some improvement. The energy mix, as was mentioned, uh, we've improved a bit from 26% of the hydro to about 29%. So that is an improvement. If you look at the exchange rate also, um, in recent times, we've seen some improvement in the CD exchange uh, with the dollar. So if there's an improvement there, why should we have increments in, in, in tariffs? So in a situation where the, the, the key parameters are pointing to a positive arrangement, we should also affect it as such so that the companies can enjoy a bit of relief. So automatic adjustment system does not necessarily mean consistent increase. If you go with that mindset, then every quarter we are expecting to increase tariffs. And I think that would be very unfortunate. Already the industries are complaining and they are really uh, seriously under, under strength because of high competition from imported products. And, and some uh, in other countries, tariff levels are much lower than ours. And therefore, it become uncompetitive. So I, I'm mindful of the fact that some adjustments is necessary because the operators in the energy industry, they are also businesses. They must survive in order to constantly give us 
the supplies we need. But at the same time, we must be mindful of the people we are also tasking so that they stay in business. If the businesses collapse, where would you get your revenue from? So I think it works in both ways, and we have to tread cautiously. And, and that's an important point. I mean, do, are you looking forward to direct engagement with government as they move to begin implementation of what they've agreed with the IMF? Definitely so. Um, we are always engaging government uh, when the opportunity exists, and we must even engage more around the time. Because we also have our expectations when it comes to the implementation of these measures. I think that the key point in all this is that um, we should not compromise and sacrifice industry because of the IMF intervention. It's been mentioned in this whole arrangement that government itself should be limiting rate increases, they should be limiting job and recruitment into the public sector and all that. When they are not recruiting into the public sector, where would they go? It's the private sector that should absorb these numbers. So if you have measures that weaken the private sector, weaken the industrial sector, weaken the agricultural sector, which is supposed to be the source of employment, then you are not going to create jobs at all. So we must be engaging to ensure that in implementing these measures, we actually support the productive sector. We should channel the resources to support the industry sector. If you weaken them with high tariffs, if you weaken them with all kinds of measures, now they have a big challenge with taxes. In all these taxes are siphoning money from the private sector, from the industrial sector. And most of them are downsizing now because they are in serious difficulty. So we need to manage it very carefully Otherwise, we weaken the private sector that is supposed to take on the jobs that government cannot take. And we have to tread cautiously. So the engagement is key. And I believe that when we engage, we'll be able to identify areas that resources or a lot more emphasis should be placed on to support the productive sector so that we can keep the economy running. If we don't do so, then we run a risk of going around the circle and in the near future go back to IMF again. I think one, one lesson we learned from, from COVID and also from the recent Ukraine war, uh, Russia-Ukraine war, was the fact that our productive base was weak. So when imports of certain essential products were, uh, were not coming in, we, we all got scared, we got threatened. That what are we going to do to survive? So if we are bringing IMF, this is the time to really look at the productive sector and ensure that we grow the industrial sector just for job creation and also to produce the essential goods for us on a competitive and sustainable basis. Thank you very much. And he is the CEO of the Association of Ghana Industries there. I want to take your own reaction to everything you've heard tonight on the back of the IMF Executive Board approval. This has to do with you. You've heard the uh, implementation uh, roadmap and some of the key interventions that will definitely affect you. Um, share with me, 055 In the last uh, few minutes, the minority in Parliament, they've just issued a statement in which they are commending the tolerance of Ghanaian bondholders and, and citizens generally. Uh, they say in the statement that uh, uh, having secured this board approval, uh, the Ghanaian people look forward to a board document on the true state of Ghana's economy and that this report, they say, will outline the full details of the uh, bargaining between the fund and the Akufado uh, Baumia administration, a document we've just been detailing for you in the last few minutes. Now, the minorities uh, say in the statement that they will in the coming days, address Ghanaians on the contents of this report and that this IMF deal uh, portends for all of us uh, going forward. Uh, but they have a few things to say already um, about what they believe have been the agreement between government and the IMF. And they say that uh, 
that a, the, the government, as part of the proposal to the IMF uh, to secure the deal, has agreed to increase utility tariffs every three months uh, from the last year. And they now reference the increases that we've seen lately, including uh, the 18.36% increase in electricity tariffs uh, yesterday. Uh, that's from the minority in the last few minutes. So listening to news tonight is on Joy 99.7 FM. Now the Asantehino to the second is vowing tonight to deal firmly with chiefs found complicit in illegal mining in parts of the Ashanti region. Now, he says he is very unhappy with Galamse uh, that is ravaging lands in the Amantia area of the region. He will be visiting the area himself to demand answers from the local chiefs uh, who sat aloof, he says, for the menace to destroy their lands there. Uh, Nana Yaobwache has the rest of the story. According to the Global Forest Watch, Ghana has lost a total of 1.4 mega hectares of tree cover from 2001 to 2021, with 160,000 hectares of forest lost within 2010 to 2015. The percentage of forest lost within the period exceeds the quantum of trees cultivated from 1963 to 2016. Illegal mining, illicit logging, the changing climate and other environmental degradation factors are attributable to Ghana's forest loss. The Ashanti region, despite planting over 7 million trees, highest of all regions since the inception of the Green Ghana Day, is heavily riddled with illegal small-scale mining. Alarmed by the spate of illegal mining, the Ashanti Hene reiterated his commitment to fighting the menace. It is very sad that despite the several measures government has been putting in place to curb this menace, illegal logging and illegal mining continue to pose a threat to our forests. It means that government cannot do it alone. We must all get involved and support government to come to grips with these matters. My chiefs know that I've been speaking about this, and I'm not happy with chiefs in Amansia area where... Uh, Galamse has taken over the land and I say to them that if you sit there and you claim that you don't know what is happening then you are not fit to be a chief over there so these are matters that we are going to take take it up again And, and I don't care whose goals it is because we have to enforce it and I have to start with my chiefs first and then government has to deal with the other ones we all have to take matters seriously to be able to bring this to a closure because I add this to a closure, because I, I cannot accept that. I'm going to take a drive around those areas in the Amansia to Mansung Quanta area and all those things to see. I've gotten reports about what is happening, and I'm going to do that. And if I, if I finish with that, all the chiefs around that area may have to answer to as to why that has happened. Well, already experts are alarmed at the impact of illegal mining on public health and safety. The Environmental Protection Agency says it has found heavy metals in the gills of fishes tested from that river. But Lands Minister Abu Junapo says the government is on track and unwavering in a fight against illegal mining. LabFM's Erastus Asari Donko is part of the 2023 dialogue uh, by the University of Energy and Natural Resources in Sunyai and has filed this report. This year's UNER Transformational Dialogue on Small-Scale Mining opened with a call for action from the Council Chairman, Professor Kwesi Insian Jabara, and Vice-Chancellor of the University, Professor Elvis Asaribidiakon. Artisanal and small-scale mining in Ghana is increasingly 
frustrated with the destruction of our forests, our water bodies, and our farmlands. The Galamse menace is so serious that the next general elections will be, be determined by the way and manner in which the various political parties will address the Galamse issue in their manifestos. So, Minister, if you can break the eight, then you can warm yourself from today. The most pre pressing need in Ghana is for country-level stakeholders to strengthen their human and institutional capacity to implement, monitor, and manage difficulties linked with artisanal small-scale activity. The Environmental Protection Agency, represented by its AHAFO Regional Director, Dr. Jackson Edia Nyantechi, drew attention to the heavy metal contamination of water sources, narrowing in on some testing of samples from the Tano River. EPA, we are also into research. I did a publication in Hundari, that was last year. I assessed the levels of heavy metals, mercury to be specific. In face samples that were taken from River Tano at the Dantano area there, I thought I was just doing something simple. But when I realized the levels of mercury in the face samples, I became so alarmed. I looked at the levels in muscle, the face muscles, the head, the uh, gills, the eye, and the, the bones. The highest concentration was in the gills. The bones were also there. So since then, I have stopped eating the head of the fish as well as the bones. I only eat the muscles, and that is it. Security analyst Adib Sani drew attention to the proliferation of illegal weapons in Galamse sites. Galamse sites are awash with illegal weapons. At least, there's a one-pump action gun at a Galamse site. In the first few weeks after Operation Vanguard started, 30 guns, including rifles with thermal scoops, were seized from miners in eastern, western, and Ashanti regions. Only two of the, of the 30 confiscated guns were registered. If not well-regulated, mining materials such as TNT um, could fall into terrorist hands because Ghana is emerging to be a major logistics hub. For terrorists. Bono Regional Minister Justina Owusu-Banahine said politicians cannot be solely blamed for the negative impact of mining. People begin to point fingers at certain people. And so today, is in Ghana. And people are pointing fingers at the politician. But you, as a landlady, as a landlord, as where I come from, people who are mining illegally stay in our houses. They live with us, and we know what they do. Some of them are close to us. And even for all you know, for all you know, there may be somebody here in this room who is involved. But we end up pointing the finger at the politician, forgetting that the other four also points at you and me. But Lance Minister Samuel Abujanapo hinted of increasing punishment regimes for recalcitrant illegal miners. For those who have vowed to ignore all these measures and continue with the illegalities, we have strengthened the law enforcement regime 
by increasing the punishment for persons convicted for engaging in legal mining, while Operation Hall 2 continues to support our enforcement measures and also continue to deploy the decommissioning of equipment used for illegal mining. Reporting for Joy News, Erastus Asaridonko, Sunyani, Bono Region. And let me hear from you uh, on this important story of Galamsey and his impact on health. Zero five five one 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 nine nine seven. And there's been a heavy downpour today, and some parts of the uh, capital got flooded, and many still may be battling uh, the consequences of that. I want to take you to the uh, to the uh, Tema Flower Highway, where motorists on that stretch are expressing concern about the frequent flooding of the road whenever uh, there's a heavy downpour. Now, according to the commuters, the situation exposes them to danger and must be checked immediately by government to avert any possible casualties. They raised these concerns after today's downpour left several stranded as movement of motorists was heavily impeded this morning. Uh, the Bombaria portion of the main Temaflower Road due to flood waters that blocked the road. Now, some affected motorists who spent several hours in that traffic have been speaking to us. Sometimes the cars can never move well very well. And people are helping the car motors or the W2 go side and side. Almost uh, it started around 8 that way when it, it started raining. So we are telling the government that they should come and solve this problem before things get uh, west. Due to the rain, we cannot cross the bridge. So we need to reverse. So we return to use this route. And still there is a traffic here. And this traffic too, it is caused by the same rain at Belapa. So the rain there has caused the flood, and the flood is leading us this way. It's very bad. The traffic is very bad. You can't go. You have to stop about 30 minutes before you move. Yeah. So I managed more than one hour before I got here. And here to now, I can't do anything. I have to go back. I work at Unilever, but then I'm supposed to be at work around 8 o'clock. But then because of this... I'm still stuck here and I'm not able to go. So it needs to be done for us. So it's just a plea because this is a main route we used to wherever we go. People from 25, people from Bediako, they all switch over here to go to their various work. Well, are you still in traffic today after the heavy uh, downpour? Uh, please uh, get in touch and let's hear uh, what you have been experiencing all day uh, if this is still causing traffic in some parts. Let's hear from you. A few of your messages. Lincoln Aquitama, I thought the loan from the IMF will reduce the suffering I'm going through uh, with my family. He's asking, uh, well, uh, as we now know, uh, you can expect a bit more, uh, I guess, uh, bedding going forward. Uh, this one uh, says the Teshinungwa drivers have refused to reduce their fares by 10% that was approved. Well, that's a story that is still uh, raging with some bit more controversy. And, of course, uh, the uh, politics is still a, a major subject and many people are still concerned about uh, the IMF program and what it means for them going forward. Uh, now, on the Spinters rule says, uh, what does the finance minister mean by government programs if the IMF loan is going to support their so-called free education? I hope not. Then we will soon be back to the IMF. Honestly, uh, we all can suffer for a politician's uh, manifesto program. Nana sent us that with his thoughts after business.
Sanitation Minister directs all MMDCEs to capture and sell stray animals to support government projects. When you let your cows stray, they should seize the cows, arrest the cows, sell the cows, and use the money to help uh, with projects in the assemblies. And then later we tell you why tattoos are becoming a very popular trend in Ghana. Right now I have over 18 tattoos, different parts of my body, but most of them are on my hand. And a little bit more politics within the NDC. Uh, who is going to be their candidate in the Asin North by election? It looks like there's a lot of support for James Dachikwesing, despite the Supreme Court verdict that uh, effectively deposed him as member of parliament. We have that for you all after business. Hello, George. Hi, events and uh, coming up in business. Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, confirms the first tranche of IMF cash set to hit central bank's account tomorrow, but insists Ghanaians should focus on the structural reforms that the IMF program brings. And managers of Tissy Treats and seven others in grip of Ghana Revenue Authority over VAT infractions. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Alliance Life and Ghana Pay. Wonderful. When everything worth doing is scheduled, hitting the stop button on your alarm just in time for your morning jog. That happy moment listening to your baby's heartbeat at the doctor's office. On a range virtual meeting with that big client. Buy airtime ahead of time with scheduled airtime service on MTN Momo. You can schedule your airtime purchase of any amount daily, weekly, or monthly by dialing star 170 hash option 3 and follow the process. Or simply dial star 170 star 311 hash for a superb airtime purchase experience. You enjoy 100% bonus airtime anytime you recharge yourself with MTN Momo. Keep on talking with that 100% feeling. So, what are we doing today? MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks, and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 14 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase K and USD campus, UC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101764209 or 7627092 visit our website www.kingdomgh.com 
Hello CEOs, are you ready? The 7th Ghana CEO Summit and Expo is here. The foremost business conference for over 500 topmost CEOs, heads of state, business leaders and ambassadors to be held on the 22nd of May 2023 at the Kempinski Hotel on the theme Economic Sovereignty, Sustainability and Digital Industrial Transformation. New path for growth and prosperity. This impactful summit has attracted over 2,000 high-level dignitaries including His Excellencies, President Nana Adudanko Ekufuado, Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Dubalmia and ex-president John Mahama. Be enlightened with actionable perspectives, CEO performance strategies, strategic insights on the latest business trends through CEO masterclasses, plenaries, keynote, expert insights, and CEO peer networking sessions. Register to participate at ghanaceosummit.com. For inquiries, call 0546-391970 or 0244-687222. The Ghana CEO Summit and Expo is powered by Ghana. CEO Network in partnership with Deloitte, Ministry of Public Enterprises, GIPC, SIGA, and the Multimedia Group, TCNC Supply. You welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, first tranche of IMF cash disbursement should hit Bank of Ghana's account tomorrow. This will represent about $604 million that should come in by the end of tomorrow. That is, Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, disclosed this at a joint press conference between the IMF, Finance Minister Ken Ufriata, as well as the Central Bank itself. But the Governor of the Bank of Ghana has maintained that we shouldn't be fixated about the money coming in, but rather the structural reforms that the program will present to the economy. Approval is just the beginning of the real work of building Ghana better. And thirdly, the executive board's approval of the support program yesterday, especially if you look at the time frame within which Ghana secured this approval, is an indication of the strong government's uh, political will and commitment uh, to the reform agenda, the painful sacrifice of Ghanaians, especially through some of the measures such as the domestic debt exchange, uh, which has also helped us reach these uh, conclusions very quickly. So we have reached a point where our key stakeholders should come through very quickly with their support to give meaning to the catalytic role of the fund and help build Ghana better. We see here a clear demonstration of burden sharing, including macro and structural reforms and the domestic debt restructuring. We are looking forward to and continuing to count on an expedited process. Now, speaking at the same press conference, Mission Chief Stefan Rode was optimistic that Ghana will be able to meet the necessary program benchmark at the next review. Uh, today, I am extremely positive. What I see is, uh, is a very strong commitment from the authorities, and I have no reason to believe that uh, that the, the program will not be uh, fully implemented going forward. And we are here to come and standing by the authorities to help them do so. And then finally, I believe the program approval is also an extremely good news with respect to your third uh, question, which which is about uh, World Bank and other partners' support. I think it sends a very strong signal. Uh, to the international uh, community and, and, and other international organizations that the, the program is in place, that the authorities are committed, and it can only only help catalyze additional financing for, for Ghana. Finance Minister Ken Ofriata on his part maintained that Ghana's record approval should not be seen as share luck or the country was favored by the IMF. 
about how countries such as Zambia, Chad, and um, Ethiopia uh, have not been able to go through uh, bringing much distress um, to the economies um, and the way in which Ghana uh, has been able to work assiduously um, with the fund and the partners um, to have this landmark decision um, yesterday um, really should be considered an achievement uh, instead of, you know, um, saying that it has been rushed. Um, the program, as Stefan said, is rich and solid, and I really would encourage you um, to, to read um, the, the documents um, for you to know that. Um, I, I think when we, we are able to um, do good work, uh, we should um, be courageous enough to um, to enjoy and savor the achievement uh, and not turn it into a negative. And with regards to the benchmark, the benchmarks are clear. Uh, it is up to us in the same vein uh, in which we were able to achieve um, the agreement yesterday and approval yesterday, and that we also work hard um, to make sure that the benchmarks um, are met um, as, as we go as we go forward. And that was uh, Finance Minister Ken Ufriata speaking at that joint news conference between the IMF and the Bank of Ghana Governor, Dr. Ernest Addison, and the Finance Minister himself, Ken Ufriata. Let's hear the thoughts of an economist, Dr. Duasake Sarkodie, on the assurances from the IMF and the impact of this program on the economy. There are benefits of the program, and I'm sure uh, even beyond the IMF, we can have more benefits with regards to the World Bank support and also uh, private sector participation. We need the inflow of funds to do business, uh, to stabilize our city. What is telling us is that there's work to be done. And I think all panelists agree that this is just the beginning of the serious work to be done with regards to recovering from these economic challenges. It is a reason the IMF has not given us the entire three billion because they are giving us in tranches to make sure that we actually work hard to get the remaining 80% of the tranches. Uh, that is uh, Dr. Edu Sarkodie. He is an economist. Now, managers of status trees and uh, Paladin Furniture and other firms were picked up by the enforcement team of the Ghana Revenue Authority for failing to issue VAT invoice and selective application of the tax laws. All the managers were handed over to the Criminal Investigation Department of the Ghana Police Service for questioning. Let's hear from the head of the enforcement unit at the Ghana Revenue Authority, Joseph Annan. But for us, we always do our preventive assessments and then we recommend you for full audit. What we did in the past, many of them have been audited and this is not going to be different. So we have been to places like Tasty Treat Restaurant at Legon, Obsession at East Legon, Luxley Ware, Luxley Ware, East Legon, Echo Furniture, East Legon, Paladin Dolls, East Legon, AB Tissues and more, Adenta, and then TF Eatery. Adenta, where we find ourselves currently. 
And that is the head of enforcement unit at the Ghana Revenue Authority, Joseph Annan, uh, speaking after an exercise today to actually ensure that some firms that were not actually issuing the VAT invoice and also enforcing some tax laws. And even on PM Express Business Edition tonight, it is still about the IMF program approval. And we'll be engaging the Minister of State at the Finance Ministry on what is next for government when it comes to fiscal discipline, investor confidence and also those critical measures that they have to implement to ensure that they will get other disbursement coming in from the IMF and other donor partners. I mean, what is clear is that there are many issues still to be clarified yeah. and it's good to sit down with the Minister of State to get that clarity. Um, and many people are asking questions about what they will mean for them yeah. going forward government can offer that clarity yeah. uh, going yeah. forward. And now that we have this bulky document that we are all going to pop <laughs> through and still making sense. Very bulky even. Very bulky. <laughs> uh, we're still finding things. Each time you read, you find yeah. interesting yeah. things. Yeah. And and yeah. now to the time that this program is and we'll be reading a lot more. A lot more things. Uh-huh. And even during the reviews, Evans. And for me, yes. what excites me about the program is that full disclosure and to expect more things coming out. That letter yeah. of intent that was signed by the finance minister and the governor of the Bank of Ghana. And Everything under this program will be published for us to see. George, thank you very so much. So 9 p.m., PM Express Business Edition on Joy News and all our social media platforms. Well, let's find our way into the election headquarters now. And this is your election headquarters. The National Democratic Congress has expressed its unwavering determination to reclaim the Asin North seat in the forthcoming by-election following the Supreme Court's verdict that nullified James Jashukwasing's eligibility in the 2020 polls. He held on to that seat until fairly recently. Now he's been deposed. In a statement, the NDC affirmed its full support for Mr. Kwasing, assuring him of the party's backing and the solidarity of the minority caucus in, in Parliament. Uh, with an eye on an even more resounding victory, uh, the NDC is eager to mobilise its resources and rally behind the candidate. Deputy National uh, General Secretary Mustafa Bande emphasised their preparedness for this election. The main process is that we are waiting for the Supreme Court's judgment to give us a fair appreciation uh, on the basis of that judgment. Um, number two, we also want to know um, government shadow as far as that election is concerned. As indicated in the letter signed by my boss, we are prepared for the by-election. We are ready for the by-election. And as soon as possible, we believe that uh, because of the agency of what is happening in Parliament, government should move so that we can go and, and have that election. We, as a party, we are more than prepared for the by-election uh, as except two. But step one would be for us to examine the judgment of the court and to advise ourselves as a party. And then from there, we'll take it up. Well, in the back of that particular case, the NDC is making or has now effected some internal reforms. One of which is that aspirants will have to produce their certificate of renunciation if indeed they hold dual citizenship before they will be allowed to run in party elections. Listen to the director of legal for the party, Abraham Amaliba. You don't need to wait for 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 a renunciation certificate. So I think yes, you need we need the EC to be 
more vigilant and know some of these uh, uh, laws that are coming from other countries about citizenship. Then also, uh, on our part, we have, in the last election that, that, that just passed, the primaries, we have yeah. indicated that those who, who renounce the citizenship before the nominations and that they lose the right to represent the party if they don't do that. And so we will not present them to the EC if they fail to renounce their citizenship. So we've done those things, and uh, I think that uh, going forward, we may not have some of these things happen. Well, from the NPP, the governing New Patriotic Party, the chairman of the party's constitution and legal committee, Frank Davis, warns the Electoral Commission to do proper due diligence before allowing anyone to run in next year's general elections. So maybe process. my advice to the EC will be that if any prospective parliamentary candidate comes to say that I have renounced my citizenship, EC should ask for the certificate of renunciation first, okay? Because MPP, we went through the same process. I was the chairman of the verification committee. All the prospective parliamentary candidates who came before us, I demanded proof of the certificate of renunciation. If you don't have it, I will not pass. That is, was that based on a prior suspicion? Of course. I mean, the same thing happened to okay. our own Adamu Sakandi. Okay. So f- the, the questionnaire we had was that if you have renounced your, certif- your citizenship, provide us with the certificate. So you see that. So from the threshold, we had confirmed and verified whatever documents our people brought. So I think going forward, the EC should not take any parliamentary candidate's word for granted. If you say you have renounced your citizenship, let us see the certificate. Now to the controversy in Cato North. Following the parliamentary primaries over the weekend, the leadership of the party uh, has been justifying the decision uh, by its executive committee uh, to use unstamped ballots to declare Eden McBanandi, a former deputy national youth organizer of the party, as a legitimate winner of the Cato North parliamentary primary. Now his main contender, uh, John Adanu, in a press uh, conference earlier today, questioned the basis of this decision and the validity of the unstamped ballots. The key point in this determination is that the serial numbers on the ballots in question are from the booklet used in the constituency, in the constituency election. And since there is, over, there is no overvoting, these ballots cannot be said to be foreign materials. This means, as far as our internal elections are concerned, stamping of ballot papers are irrelevant giving no overvoting and the correspondence of serial numbers to the bullet to the booklet if these ballots were removed during sorting will we be here or the fact that they were taken out after recounts and not even after ec declaration make them valid can our members accept this if it occurs to us in the national elections this really worries me this concern not outstanding, I remain positive about the course of the party for victory 2024. My prayer is that this does not come to haunt us in the future. And I pray that one day this precedent will be corrected no matter how long it takes. What's the party's view on this? Uh, let's bring in the Deputy General Secretary, Mustafa Gbani. Mustafa, he has a point, does he not? Well, uh, I believe that each and everyone has a point. Um, and I must say that the gentleman demonstrated 
maturity, candor, the military when we appeared before the National Executive Committee. What, what is more relieving is that after his expression of his dissatisfaction, which is an entitlement, he went ahead to say that for the interest of the party, he's willing to support the cause of the party for 2024. For me, that is a wonderful submission, and that we congratulate him for this decision. Going forward, like we are all learning, and uh, the party continues to improve on this system. All of these issues will be looked at subsequent, in subsequent elections to ensure that I'm sure that the Electoral Commissioner of Switzerland has taken a key from this, that some errors have been and that as far as the officers would be performing some of the duties for the party, those exercises must be done with a bit of caution and, and, and diligence so that we don't run into some of these questions from us for and so I think that we are, we are, we are good to go. And Musa Fagbande, thank you very much. Let's do sports now. I'm about here with the latest. Evans, well, it's Kumasi Asantikoto's winger, Nicolas Mensa, and uh, he's been handed a one-year ban from all football-related activities by the Disciplinary Committee of the Ghana Football Association. And the decision comes in response to a complaint filed by Idiana Stars after Mensa featured against them in a Ghana Premier League clash. My colleague Daniel Crantin has the rest of the story over there on the ban was handed to the young winger in response to a complaint filed by Indiana Stars after the two teams met in a Ghana Premier League fixture earlier this season. Indiana Stars alleged that Mensah, who started the game, was not eligible to play for Asante Kotoko as the player, who now goes by Joshua Kwame Ru, had changed his name without proper authorization. Prior to his name change, the player was known as Louis Mensah. The current league leader, Sidiana Stars, wanted Asante Kotoko punished as a result. However, the disciplinary committee of the GFA rejected that request, stating that the responsibility for the offence lay with Mensah's former club, Demusia Del Sanko FC. Kotoko, in response to the news of the players' ban, have released a statement in which the club says it will review the verdict before considering its next steps. Mensa joined Kotoko from Del Sanko FC at the start of the season on a three-year contract. Before the ban, he had scored three goals in eight appearances. Daniel Grant there with that report. So, Evans, is Manchester City going to be able to win the treble? Start on Sunday against Chelsea. They win it, uh, that game, and of course they win in the Premier League. Then they have a game against Manchester United. The FA Cup final, after which they play Inter Milan in that Champions League final. Against well, Chelsea... I uh, admittedly they're going to win it. I'm, I don't see how Chelsea is going to beat them. That's but true. It's against Manchester United. I mean, you're discounting uh, Inter. Well, I'm, <laughs> I, I tell you, this is football. Yeah, a team can be fantastic one game mm. and absolutely shambolic the next. Mm. Especially also because this is a one-off. It's a final. Yeah. So you don't have two legs. Yeah. If if Real Madrid and uh, and City had played that one leg mm. it would have been 1-1 one, one, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so anything is possible yeah. you remember Jose Mourinho against um, Pep Guardiola's Barca yeah. yeah yeah. which team was was he coaching then it was Inter, Inter Milan you know what he did yeah. in that game he won that game and nobody gave him a dog's chance and that is why I'm saying mm. wait 
and see. Okay, we'll wait to see if Manchester City can do the double or not. Thanks, yeah, Thank you very much, Ms. Bao. Now, uh, Ghana Member of Parliament for Ho West, who doubles as member of the Legal Affairs Committee of Parliament, is raising serious questions about the outcome of Nigeria's presidential elections. As lawmakers from across the West Af Africa really deliberate on the precarious democratic situation in Nigeria. Two opposition parties uh, in that country, the Labour Party and the People's Democratic Party, PDP, are currently in court challenging the uh, process even before uh, that situation is dealt with. The ECOWAS Parliament, which is uh, currently meeting in Abuja, says it will be moving to review the situation in Nigeria at a, very, at a critical meeting tomorrow. Now, uh, we've been hearing from the whole West Member of Parliament, Kwesi Bedra, uh, who doubles as a member of the Human Rights Committee of the ECOWAS Parliament. He's telling Joy News uh, that their findings suggest that only 38% of the voters, uh, of the voter population in Nigeria, actually participated in February's election. He said that development is dangerous for the stability of Nigeria and for the entire West African sub-region. Well, I'm a member of the Human Rights and Legal Committee that has a joint uh, committee meeting tomorrow with the political uh, committee tomorrow. One of the issues that we'll be looking at will be to deliberate on, uh, to meet with the commissioner in charge of political affairs from the ECOWAS Commission. And one of the things we'll be deliberating on has to do, has to do the situation in Sierra Leone as well as Liberia. You know Sierra Leone and Liberia will be having their elections soon as well as Guinea-Bissau. Guinea-Bissau will be having their deputy, that's a deputies or parliamentary election also in August. And so we have issues to deal with. And my colleague, Baza Soga, is in Nigeria. You want to catch him on Joy Prime uh, for the very latest on what is happening in Nigeria. And I want to take you to a subject that we, we rarely talk about. I'm talking about tattoos. Have you wondered why many Ghanaians are now falling in love with it? Well, uh, my, my colleague, Jacqueline Asuma Yeboah, has more in this report. And Pearson have become increasingly popular among young people in Ghana. With many seeing it as a form of self-expression and a way to showcase their personality. Right now, I have over 18 tattoos, different parts of my body, but most of them are on my hand. Meet Senna, she has over 18 tattoos, each of which holds special significance for her. Um, so each tattoo has a personal meaning. To me personally, all my tattoos have meanings, but... I can explain a couple of them for you if you want. This is actually my first tattoo. It's kind of vibed off. It means God is greater than the highs and the lows. I've got this one. With God, all things are possible. That's my mom's favorite Bible verse. And I've got this for my favorite TV show. The hatred Senna encounters on a daily basis is normal to her. Despite how fashionable some body modifications may be, society has its own perceptions about them and those who use them are frequently stigmatized. I just take it like it is. People people are actually going to love it and people are not. I can't tell you to like my tattoos because like I like them. You get me? So it depends on whoever it is. If you like them, fine. If you don't, it's good. Some traditional beliefs and practices discourage the use of tattoos and some religious groups see them as a form of defilement of the body. As a result... Some people still hesitate to get tattoos for the fear of being judged or ostracized. As the trend continues to grow, it will be interesting to see how it evolves and becomes integrated 
into Ghanaian culture. Jacqueline Asmaya Bwesh report for Joy News. Well, I need to get a tattoo pretty soon. Well, the lack of 24-hour service at many shops hinders many would-be customers from accessing products, especially at night. What if there can be a vending machine where items can be purchased using mobile money? Fortunately, three computer engineering students of the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology has responded to this exact call. On Thursday, uh, Labafem's Kwesi Debra speaks with the students behind innovation, Bernard Addo, Enoch Ahin, and Peter Duglo. The vending machine is equipped with a camera to monitor activities in the surrounding, a 7-inch touchscreen to control the machine, a mobile app, and spring coils for dispensing their items. When we were taking our examination this semester, a lot of sellers were outside the library from 10 p.m. up to morning uh, 5 a.m. just because students would come out at dawn to come and buy water or to come and buy chips. We, f- we found out that human efforts can be put to better use than just sitting around and waiting for someone to come and buy their stuff. And that's why we decided to build a vending machine. So since it's a, a remote control device, it, it doesn't need constant supervision. So whenever anyone buys anything, it's going to appear on this dashboard, total sales. You always get live updates of whatever someone comes to buy. And you can also know the percentage of goods that are in your vending machine. So that you don't always have to come and check, oh, are there things in my vending machine or not? You'd see them remotely within seconds on this application. Reporting for Joy News, Kwesi Debra. And indeed, this is a solution worth investing in. And just before we leave, I don't know about you, but I get really frustrated when stray animals cross my path, especially when I'm driving on a busy road. You see that every day. They pose a a significant risk. They can cause accidents, but also sometimes they just litter, leave filth on the road. And you wonder who exactly is taking care of these animals, where the Sanitation and Water Resources Minister Cecilia Benadapa has a solution. He is directing metropolitan, municipal and district chief executives across the country to arrest, seize and sell these stray animals and use the proxies to develop their communities. To have sanitation courts and people are, I will encourage all the assemblies to take uh, advantage of it and apply the bylaws and prosecute we support them 110%. When you let your cows stray, they should seize the cows, arrest the cows, maybe if I should use that word, sell the cows and use the money to help uh, with projects in the assemblies. Well, you need to ask the question, next time you see a stray animal, can you also, um, you know, uh, effect a citizen's arrest of that stray animal and then send it to your local assembly? It's an open question. Chew over that. My name is Evans Messenger. The rest of your evening.